Be seated, I reckon. So, uh, before we get into this tonight, uh, how are, how's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Well, uh, of course, Steve and Angela are gone. Um, so, Steve asked me uh, in front of the guys on Sunday morning to fill in for him this evening. So, uh, I wouldn't be lying if I was looking for the rapture to come a little bit uh, this week, you know, because the public speaking uh, kind of gets me a little nervous. But, uh, but I do want to share with, with you something that... God's really kind of been teaching me the past um, four years I've been here, uh, ever since uh, he's kind of uh, the chapter of my life, meeting Lindsay and, and, and coming to Springfield. Um, and that, uh, that's about grace. So um, kind of uh, where I got uh, my inspiration for the word tonight comes out of uh, John 1.17. And that's not what we're going to be looking through. I'm going to try to go through Hebrews 10 here in a little bit. But John 1.17, it says uh, that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And um, as I sit there, I think of that, the picture of uh, Moses uh, in Deuteronomy at the end there, right before he dies. He's up on Mount Nebo. And um, he's looking out into the promised land. He's at, looking out into the land filled with milk and honey. And um, the grapes that, remember, we, we learned they were big as watermelons. He's looking out into that, that promised land, which isn't representing heaven. It re- represents uh, the victorious Christian life or the abundant Christian life. And as he's looking out into um, the promised land, uh, he never got to go into the promised land um, on that, 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 that side of things. Um, he, um, uh, it wasn't until uh, Joshua, we turn the page, and he's the one who leads us into the promised land. And so, um, we know that Moses represents the law, and how the law can never really bring us into um, the, the, the victorious Christian life. We know that uh, Joshua, or in Hebrew it's uh, Yeshua, which means deliverer, and where we get our Greek word, our Savior, Jesus, um, His name, uh, which is deliverer. And so, um, uh, kind of starting in with that, um, I think we ought to go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we'll get into Hebrews 10 here, so... Lord, uh, we just come to you tonight, Lord, just thanking you for worship, Lord, and thanking you for making a way for us, Lord, and how it's truly all about you, Father. So, Lord, uh, may our eyes just uh, look at you, Father. May you open our hearts this evening, Lord, and may we realize it's truly about you and your grace, Father, and we thank you for that grace that you have, Lord. Um, Father, we just uh, ask that you be with Steve and Angela, Lord. I pray that you give them the rest, Lord, that they need on their vacation, Lord, that we thank you for them so much, Lord, and we just uh, thank you for this fellowship, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so picking up in Hebrews, uh, before we get into this a little bit further, uh, you know how Steve, he's a little long-winded. Tonight, I'm making up for that. We're actually going to get out of here really early. No, I'm just kidding. But we should get out of here a little bit earlier, so just stay tuned here, and hopefully we'll get some good uh, meat here or uh, something, and we can get out of here. But... Um, Verse 10 says uh, of Hebrews, if you look at the subtitle, Christ's sacrifice once and for all. So it says in 10.1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. So that verse, um, when you think of a shadow, we got uh, my hand here, my, uh, myself there. If let's say we called up John and said, hey John, come up here and... Um, if I came over here and I started talking to the shadow and John's standing right here casting the shadow, first, you guys would probably think I'm crazy. Uh, second, uh, a shadow is there to uh, prove that there's something greater in the room, that there's a greater substance in the room. And so in this uh, verse here in 10, uh, 
we see that the law is a shadow. Um, so a law is a shadow of all the things that are coming. And this, this thing is Christ. The reality is Himself. The reality is Christ. If we go back and we look at... Um, my mind thinks about the, what I just talked about, how uh, Moses and Joshua and how Moses is a picture of what's to come and how, how Joshua is that picture of Jesus to come and how um, the road to Emmaus, when you see them fellers uh, going on the road to Emmaus, um, their, their hearts are burning within them. And I, I just want to read that real quick. It says in there, uh, Jesus, He said to them, being Jesus, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that prophets have spoken. Did you not know the Messiah had to suffer these things and then enter the glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in the Scriptures concerning Himself. So we have uh, Jesus telling these guys, the road to, he, he told them everything that, what, that happened in the Old Testament and the law that was fulfilled in the New Testament in Christ. So all these things are pictures. Um, everything in that Old Testament... Re- points us to Jesus Christ. I remember uh, coming here and we were going through the Old Testament and we were, uh, I was like, man, I remember Numbers and Leviticus and I'd be like, that's boring. But, but I was taught that if you look for Christ in the Old Testament, it's all a shadow of the things to come. And so, back to Hebrews, we have uh, that shadow. And so, the writer of Hebrews uh, says in verses 1b, for this reason... It can never be the same sacrifices repeatedly, endlessly, year after year. Make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, they would have stopped being offered. For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all. and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are annual reminders of sins. So we have here uh, saying that, they, they can't be done over and over again. It's, uh, it's meaning that the picture of the sacrifices were never intended to, to wash us from our sins. They were to point us to Christ, the one who does wash us for our sins. Um, and it says that those sacrifices are annual reminders of sin. So, in our recent studies, you know, we've looked at the law and the purpose of the law. Does anybody remember the purpose of the law? It's to show us our sins. So, in Romans uh, three thirty, it says uh, three twenty. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. So, year after year, sacrifice after sacrifice, they're just having a present knowledge of their sin that's before them. And so, with their sin before them, if we, we as Christians today can find ourselves in a spot in our life where we're trying to live up to the law and its standards and, and trying to do something, uh, doing maybe certain sacrifices or, or reading our Bible or, or doing all these things to be justified by God. When really, um, when we start to fail, uh, it just shows us how, how we're, we're such failures and we're not looking to Christ, uh, who is, is perfect. And, and we'll get into that later. I don't want to get that too forward right now. But um, if we look at that and um, we see how we don't measure up to the law, we can, it puts us in a depression. So, um, it says back in 9.22, it says, um, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Um, and then in verse 4 we get into here, it says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. So, um, obviously, something has to die for us to be cleansed from our sins. And it's saying here, that um, the bulls and bloods and goats, uh, none of that can save us from our sin. 
So it says, therefore, when Christ came into the world, and that's a sweet therefore of the Bible, because when Christ comes into the world, He comes into the, the picture. It says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared with me for burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So we have here Jesus. Um, I heard uh, some commentary on this and been studying this, and uh, Pastor Corson, he, he thinks this is going on right before Jesus Christ came to the world, that God and him are having this conversation. I don't know when it happened, uh, but it, it's in Psalms 40 is when you, where you could find it. But uh, here he is saying um, that pretty much all the old law sacrifice system is not going to work, but here I come to do your will. And um, when I think about this, I think about um, the Garden of Gethsemane. And we have uh, where Jesus is sitting there praying. He's praying, uh, Father, not my will, but your will. Lord, if, if, we, if the sins of man can be paid for through uh, bulls or goats or lambs or, or any other means, let it be done. But Jesus says, uh, I'm here to do your will, not my will. So, um, yeah, so let me get my notes here because I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Um, so God, and that, that's where it comes down to, is God desires a relationship with us. That's uh, the whole point of um, Him coming to the cross and dying for us, is that He desires that intimate relationship with us. And um, it, I want to go to a different garden now, the Garden of uh, Eden, uh, where we see Adam and Eve, and how um, Adam and Eve were living life, they're planting fruits and vegetables, having a great time. And then all of a sudden, you know, the sin happened. And um, we, we see them running and, and, and fleeing from God. And then we see God um, coming to them. And uh, as they're, they're covering themselves up with fig leaves, and it's the cool of the day, Jesus comes walking through, or God comes walking through, and He says, uh, where are you? And I used to always read that, where are you? You know, you know I always pictured God being upset and angry there. Uh, but we know God's not upset and angry there. He's looking for him because he desires that relationship with him. And we see how um, once he finds him, he, he takes that, that picture, that shadow of what's to come, uh, that uh, sacrifice, and he clothes them with, with animal skins. And so we have a picture there of God desiring that relationship with us, making a way for Adam and Eve, even though they were, you know, consequences kicked them out of the garden, God still made a way for them to be in that right relationships uh, with them. So God desires that relationship with us. Um, uh, going over to um, verses 8. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in ordinance with the law. He, then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. So the first part of that, if we go back to Numbers, and you read through Numbers, um, there's tons and tons of things you have to do to be right with God. Um, you have to, uh, it was a constant work, it was a constant uh, labor uh, to, to make the people right with the sins. The priests were, were totally busy. And... Um, and so it says here at the end of this, it says, He set aside the first to establish the second. And the first is what he's talking about is the old covenant, which is uh, being under the law, which is um, a covenant that requires works and a lot from you. It requires a, a, a daily offerings from animals and, uh, 
it desires a lot. And so the second covenant, which is an awesome deal, is a covenant of grace, which is a covenant that um, it allows us to come before God boldly. And it's, um, it's a covenant that requires uh, nothing but faith in Christ. And it ends with faith in Christ. Um, and that's the beauty is God's not going to make no new covenant with us. It's, this is it. This is the last covenant, the covenant of grace to where um, it's God's uh, riches at Christ's expense. It's uh, unearned favor. It's um, grace is, uh, I remember hearing it, it's, it's God's enabling power. So grace is the new covenant that he established with us. In verses 10 it says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ Jesus once and for all. And I got that once and for all circled, um, highlighted, all the above. It's uh, That once and for all there is some good stuff, meaning that we don't have to worry at all. We, we, it's, it's, it's a one-time deal. When Jesus was hanging upon that cross, and He says, it is, it is finished, it means it is finished. It's a once and for all deal. Like I said before, God's not going to make a new covenant with us. The covenant is so simple. It is faith in Jesus Christ and His work upon that cross saying it's finished. And that's, that's what it comes down to. That, that once and for all is really good. Uh, verse 11 says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. So we have here a, uh, a picture of the priest. Like I've been saying, it's kind of repetitive because it keeps saying it over and over again, but... We have that priest, and he's constantly doing stuff to again and again. It's like the song that never ends about. Um, I don't want to sing it because it'd be a bad deal, but um, but it's it's again and again. He's always uh, offering uh, these sacrifices, and they can never take away sins. So then we have, but when Christ, the high priest, offered um, for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and uh, we don't see here Jesus. Um, running around in the throne when we see him, he sits down at the right hand of God and he chills. He's, he's not worried. He's, he's, he knows that uh, he is the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's not up there pacing the, the throne room saying, man, that Ted, I don't know about him, that, that John, no, he's so confident that his sacrifice is the once and for all sacrifice that he made um, and, and he's, he's sitting at the right hand of God. So... Um, Verses 14 says, For by one sacrifice He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this first. He says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my law on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Then He adds, Their sin and lawless acts I will remember no more. And when I think of that remember no more, I think of, you know, I, I cast out the sins as far as the east is from the west. There's no more. Uh, he, he's, he's not worried. Of, uh, he, he, he doesn't see our sins if we're in him. If we're a child of God, he doesn't see you. Um, as a, I, I, I passed something here. Uh, up in 14 it says forever, uh, meaning that God died for our, our past sins and our present sins. But not only that. Um, he saved us from our future sins and the sins that uh, we'll always have. All of our sins He paid for, and by accepting in that sacrifice He made on Calvary, um, we enter into that uh, that being forgiven forever deal. That forever. So, 
Um, here in verses 18 it says, And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So, um, with, uh, with this said, um, kind of... Uh, So, um, let me look at my notes here. So, the sacrifice that Christ, uh, for, for the law, for, so, so, the, so the law is no longer necessary uh, because Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God, He has come to take away our sins. And because He has, has done this, um, we're truly forgiven and there, there is no need to make a sacrifice. There is no need to fall into legalism. There's no need to... Um, ever try and strive to, to do better for God. I mean, well, there is reason for that, to strive and to do better for God, but it's not to maintain your salvation. It's because uh, it's God's kindness which leads to repentance. And because He decided to save us and to pardon our sin, we should be so moved from that 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 should be our outflow uh, to serve Him. So, um, I kind of wanted, uh, because we were talking about uh, all the, the how the blood and the bulls and the law can never um, cause... Uh, give us atonement for our sins, I wanted to look to, to Christ and His blood. So uh, I guess we'll move into a time of communion here, and we'll have the Lord's Supper, and then we'll, uh, I'll, we'll Carrie will play a song, and we'll go from there. So we're going to do communion like normal. Um, and the grape juice and the crackers are back there. And, and yeah, so it went a lot faster than I had, had practiced it. <laughs> so, yeah.